Let's go to Australia. Uh, we're not often talking about dry weather and muggy hot weather in the capital, Chris, but it's not helping uh, the historic situation our pipes are in. Let's right. move on from infrastructure. Um, Scott Morrison, I forgot he was still there, Chris, but he's uh, not going to be there for much longer. Welcome. No, no. He, he's, uh, he's certainly been very quiet since he lost that 2002 election to Anthony Albanese. Um, he's, he's jumped on a plane from time to time and gone to address uh, various uh, evangelical Christian groups around the world, but that's been about it. His resignation is widely expected, uh, or has been widely expected, and it was confirmed yesterday uh, that he will resign when Parliament returns next month. Uh, apparently, the, the delay, or the reason he's hung around so long was because he had a bit of trouble finding work or post-political work. It looks like he will get uh, find employment in the defence sector in one way or another. Um, interestingly, he's the first Prime Minister not to receive a generous parliamentary pension because he came to Parliament in 2007 after then-Prime Minister uh, John Howard reformed the pension system to cut back on the incredibly generous pensions that um, MPs were getting. All the other Prime Ministers we've had had been in Parliament for longer than that. So John Howard did the classic, I'm leaving, I'll change the rules now. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> he was nothing that's if right. not wily. How is Mr Morrison's tenure being remembered then as the sort of political obits are being written, not the literal ones, thank goodness, uh, but how is he being remembered? Uh, I think uh, really we've, we've sort of had, had the hits and memories of Scott Morrison over the last day or so since news of his resignation uh, broke. And these are things like you know, dating back to his time as uh, immigration minister when he, he was responsible for Operation Sovereign Borders, which was uh, the policy of turning back the refugee boats. He also used the phrase, that's an on-water matter, which uh, so he, he often refused to comment on anything that happened with the boats and so on by saying it's an on-water matter and he couldn't uh, comment. And that really set the tone for his entire parliamentary career, one of obfuscation, I would say, and um, in some cases outright deceit. Uh, then then he, he, uh, his, his next big hit was, uh, was the holiday in Hawaii during the bushfires, if you recall. He took Who could forget off. that? <laughs> took his family off to Hawaii. They had a nice holiday. There were lots of snaps coming back of ScoMo and his family, or mostly ScoMo, appearing with Australians who wanted selfies with him. Meanwhile, bushfires were absolutely raging in Australia and uh, Scott Morrison's response was, well, I don't hold the hose. Uh, next, next, we really had the slow vaccine uh, rollout and, and big questions asked during the COVID response as to why Australia hadn't secured enough vaccines. Um, and Scott Morrison's quote uh, response in that time was, it's not a race. Um, and and then, but but generally, I think he is considered to have handled the COVID crisis very well. Uh, he he just pumped a huge amount of money into the economy and also um, significantly increased welfare benefits for the duration of COVID. So he kept the Australian economy ticking along very nicely. Arguably, now we're sort of paying for that with uh, inflated inflation because people have still got money in their pockets. But that's that's probably how he'll be remembered, and possibly for the Arcus defence pact between Australia, the UK and the US, 
which which is really all about um, the Pacific and trying to contain China in the Pacific. Now, what's the Golden Visa Scheme and why is it being scrapped? Well, yes, the Golden Visa Scheme, as it's known, uh, is an investment visa scheme that allows foreigners who invest $5 million in Australia to achieve permanent residency. Uh, and it was very much targeted at the Chinese. It were, the, the visa number was 888, and, and you might know that 8 is uh, a lucky number for the Chinese, so it was sort of triple lucky. And about 90% of the people who got those visas were, were Chinese citizens. The, the problem is that, firstly, we don't really know much about those citizens who came in. There were meant to be laws uh, screening out those who, who were known to be corrupt or known to be criminals, those whose source of wealth was, uh, from, was, was suspicious. But in the last 10 years, everyone, every Chinese citizen who's applied has gained entry. Secondly, there's a question where the $5 million went. It often went to sectors like retail, hospitality, where there wasn't a great deal of innovation. They weren't really driving the economy as people had hoped. So, so really, the, the question is, what, what was this achieving for Australia? A, a study by Martin Parkinson, who's a former um, advisor to various prime ministers, found that skilled migrants actually contribute $300,000 more over their lifetime than these $5 million migrants. Uh, so it's being scrapped, and there's, 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 and so these, these migrants, who are often elderly and then would end up um, you know, draining Medicare uh, on the pension, needing other government-funded assistance, the, these migrants will no longer um, be, be coming into Australia and instead the, the migration program will tilt more towards skilled migrants. Uh, although I should add, there, there is a possibility they will retain some sort of concessional migration for uh, those with $10 million or more. Right. About two and a half minutes left. I just want you, uh, given the nature of the next topic, what's this federal government inquiry into the judicial response to sexual violence, please? Yes, so the, the government has asked the Australian Law Reform Commission to report back in a year about how uh, access to justice for uh, sexual violence uh, survivors, victims or victim survivors can be made less confronting, less traumatic. The, uh, Attorney General Mark Dreyfus uh, said when he, he announced this inquiry that often seeking access adds to the trauma of the victims and, and they want to see if they can not do that to, to such an extent. And the statistics are pretty damning. One in five Australian women over the age of 15 say they have suffered some form of sexual violence in their lifetime and yet 92% of those did not report the latest incidents. So it does show that there is a reluctance to... Um, to report these these instances and, and that, that improving the justice system may help that. So they're looking at things like the training of judges, uh, how judges can perhaps be more more sympathetic and, and understanding. Um, they're looking at justice system practices, justice sector practices itself, how 
how victims, uh, victim survivors are treated by the uh, police force and then the judiciary and so on. It's looking at how it can give more support to victims. So these are the various measures they're looking at. And they're also looking at or may look at uh, informed consent laws, more explicit informed consent laws in states which haven't introduced them. Only New South Wales, uh, Victoria and the ACT have, have that sort of model of affirmative consent uh, before sexual activity at the moment. And there's a push to have that, that nationwide. Thanks very much, Chris. Chris Nishi is Thanks, our Chris. Australia correspondent.